This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 318. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I have here with me Mr. Producer Extraordinaire, Matthew Marister. Hey, Riley. Good to be here with you once again. You know, you, you have really moved on, you know, or moved into this this role of producer extraordinaire. Because, <laughs> like, you used to, like, giggle every time I said it, and now he's just like, yep, that's right, that's right, yep, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, you kept saying it enough, so I believed it. So. That's, just, that's just what you are now. Uh, so, hey, uh, today's a special episode, uh, Due to some uh, unforeseen circumstances, we actually had an interview lined up with a special guest, but uh, we had to, at the last minute, reschedule that. Uh, so we'll get them lined up again here in a couple of weeks. So today we're going to play back for you a couple of interviews, actually, we did at the clock booth. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you uh, who those are in just a moment. But... Um, but today, because Glock was so kind at SHOT Show to invite us into their booth and use their booth to record some podcast interviews, uh, today's episode is made possible and is especially sponsored, honorarily sponsored uh, by Glock. And so we appreciate them and uh, we're, we're pleased to kind of team up with them for, for at least a brief time to, 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 do, to do those interviews there at their booth. Uh, Matthew was there, and and I was there, and we had a great time at Shot Show. And I know this is a couple months later, obviously, but uh, uh, sometimes you know we'll record some of these interviews and kind of hold them in the hopper for times like this where things fall through, and we need to, we still need some content, you know, to put forward on the uh, podcast. So, and I don't remember, did you sit on sit in on either of these interviews? No, I didn't. I was running around videotaping and mm. uh, trying to get reviews on stuff so all the new stuff that was uh at shot show which was a ton of stuff and uh you were kind of up there in the booth the yeah. glock booth that was like awesome yeah um, awesome booth totally you were there for a while so yeah man uh so 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 these two interviews will be kind of new for you uh as you listen to them and and uh, it'll be a good time um now couple things just I want to let folks know about uh, that you should all know about. Coming up here very soon, we have some pretty exciting events uh, taking place. Uh, we will be, first of all, this Saturday. Okay, so as you are listening to this, uh, it's going to come very quickly because that's just, for, for as of right now, as we're recording this, it's just in two days. But this Saturday, uh, that would be, what is that? Uh, May 11th. Actually, that's right because it's 5-11, 5-11 days at the 5-11 Tactical Store in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. That's the basically the Denver area store, uh, but it's actually specifically in Highlands Ranch. At the Highlands Ranch 5-11 Tactical Store, uh, we will be there setting up a booth for their 5-11 days. And I'm really excited to be a part of that. Uh, so thank you, 5-11, for inviting us uh, to come in and do that. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So if you are in the Denver area, you should come say hello between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, come see us at the, at the 511 store there in Highlands Ranch. 511 days going on all week long. It ends on Sunday, 512. Uh, all week long, 20% off 511 gear. You know, online, in-store, doesn't really matter. You're going to save 20% off. So it's a great time to stock up on Defender Flex jeans. I love my Defender Flex pants. And uh, you, you might kind of look at them and go, I don't know if I'm going to spend, you know, 70 bucks or whatever on, on those jeans. But hey, when they're 20% off, they start to get a lot more reasonable. So uh, do it, all right? Because they are very comfortable, awesome jeans. And actually, right now, I'm not wearing them. It's been the exclusive pant I've worn for like two and a half years. But right now, I'm trying out something new and different. And uh, this is the, uh, the Quest pant. And uh, and also in a color that I'm not like that's not like normal for me. I can't remember what the color of this one is, but it's kind of a it's kind of a brown. Uh, but I kind of like them, and I'll tell you what, they're super comfortable. So just the other night, Matthew, I was teaching this uh, fighting from cover slash kind of like a shooting positions course a little bit. I mean, we talk about fighting from cover, using cover, but to do that sometimes you have to get in some different you know unconventional positions, right. and it it's like. It's like I'm floating on air when I'm wearing these quest pants. I mean, that sounds silly, but I, I don't feel restricted as I need to kneel down or squat down or do anything like that because they stretch and move with me really, really, really well. Uh, so cool. Yeah. 
It was actually fun to be there in the store demonstrating these different positions, all while wearing these new Quest pants, uh, working working really well. Cool. So, I'll have to check them out too. Yeah, man. Uh, I know the Apexes are really popular with folks. So Apex yeah. Quest is kind of the newcomer. Uh, they have the uh, uh, the ABR Pro, which is like the Tac Light Pro, but it's got stretch fabric now. So the Tac Light Pro has been around for like ever since like pra- practically you know dang near the beginning of uh, five eleven, and uh, but they, they didn't have any stretch material in them, right? So the ABR Pro is like the Tac Light Pro, redesigned. You know, same pockets, same location generally for those pockets, but stretchy. Which is cool, nice. and then the Defender Flex uh, jeans again, my, my my favorites. So, and then also next week. Uh, so what is that? May 16th, 17th, 18th, I think. Is that, is that right? I gotta look at the calendar. Seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth. I was off by one day. We will be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the Concealed Carry Expo. I will be there. Jacob will be there. Matthew will be there. Rob Beckman will be there. Our whole team from Concealed Carry will pretty much be there. Uh, we we are running the broadcast booth. Essentially, it's like I don't want to say it because it, you know, that would not be fair to them. But you know how there's that other show put on by this other large <laughs> gun, you know, supposedly gun rights organization, and they have their own kind of TV channel thing, and they do this, you know, TV show live at the show all all weekend long. You know, you know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so we are the uh, NRA TV, essentially the equivalent of that for the Concealed Carry Expo put on by the United States Concealed Carry Association. Yeah, I know I said NRA. Uh, so anyway, uh, so we will be there all three days, 17th, 18th, and 19th of May, doing live coverage from the show, uh, doing interviews with a whole host of really great people. Here's who we have, just, just a little taste of who we have lined up. First of all, we're launching the show with an hour-long interview with Tim Schmidt. It's going to be awesome. Uh, then we've got, we've got guys like George Harris coming up, Instructor Zero. And I f- almost feel like we need to like reschedule him because I'm teaching a seminar at that same time, Matthew. I can't uh-huh. not be in that interview with Instructor Zero. That'll be Jacob and me. Huh? <laughs> I hope he's really bringing sad. a translator. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we've got Michael Martin lined up, Dave Spaulding, John Correa, Beth Alcazar, Tom Grieve, Rob Pincus, Clint Macro, John Lovell, Chris Serino. Bam. I mean, just a bunch of heavy hitters right there. Uh, just, just a little taste of the interviews that we have lined up f- live from the show floor from our broadcast booth at the Concealed Carry Expo. Again, May 17th, 18th, 19th. If you can be there, if you're in the Pittsburgh area or you can travel there, come and see us. You're going to enjoy the show and, and we would enjoy meeting you as well. Uh, if you can't be there, then be sure to be following, liking, and subscribing to our Facebook and YouTube channels. And our, these interviews will be published. They will be broadcast live all weekend long on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. So that's where you can catch the coverage. Uh, you're not going to want to miss. We hope to see you in some form uh, participate. It's going to be a great show. All right. So uh, with that, just a heads up on the podcast. Uh, publishing might be, a little, you know, of the episodes next week might be a little kind of weird because we're going to be on the road traveling a bunch and do, just doing different things. Uh, but we'll do our best to get the podcast published, and uh, we'll still do our still do our weekly giveaway uh, on Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, we'll announce the winner um, of uh, we're giving away a Zip Wire shotgun cleaning kit. All right, pretty cool product from Real Avid. Um, maybe you don't have a shotgun, but still, you're gonna you're gonna want to win this. So make sure you go go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize to sign up. So with that, Matthew, it's time to play back this interview uh, from Glock. And uh, yeah, uh, so let's do it. Let's do it. Now I'll tell you. First up, you're gonna hear an interview with Shane Coley. He is their pro shooter. He is their team captain. We've interviewed Shane before on the podcast. He's a heck of a shooter. He's been shooting since he was a young kid and shooting at a very high level since he was a young man. Uh, and like I said, he was picked up by Glock a few years back and uh, it's really, really an awesome shooter. Has a lot of great tips for, for folks. And what I like about Shane is he's real big uh, on mastering the fundamentals of, of his gun, but he's also big on his diet. He's big on his on his overall health, his strength. He does a lot of uh, weightlifting and strength conditioning, uh, stuff like that, to make sure he's at his peak when he's competing 
for Glock, which is cool. And you know what? Whether you're a competitive shooter or you're a defensive-minded guy, having that physical fitness, that's an important component. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to, uh, first of all, hearing that interview uh, with Shane. And then following him, we're going to play back another interview that we did with Corey Jones, who is a national sales manager with Glock, very knowledgeable about their whole lineup. And we actually get into some of the nitty gritty on new products they've recently released. We talk about the 43X, we talk about the 48, we talk about a little bit about the 45. And Corey also kind of teases something really exciting. I think so anyway, at least that's how I heard it. Maybe I was wrong, <laughs> but kind of teased something for the future, maybe coming cool. from Glock. And nice. that will be really exciting if that actually comes to fruition what i think it might be so you're going to want to listen to that so stick around listen to a great informational uh, interview with shane coley and then some really cool stuff coming from Corey jones so we'll play it now and see you on the other side hey folks uh riley and jacob here we're sitting with shane coley at the glock booth uh, we're so excited to be here second year in a row and you guys have just been so awesome. You've honestly been a, a great partner these last couple of years to make this opportunity available. And uh, so we're pleased to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm excited. <laughs> so you much you ex- look excited. Yeah. You know, it's, the whole Glock team is excited. There's just a lot of traffic here. People are over here. They're looking at the new guns. And it's it's a hot spot in the show. It is. You know, there's been, there's been a lot of traffic. We've had uh, the booth has been full all day or every day this week. So... We've been uh, been able to interact with a lot of folks and talk about the new guns and yeah, you know, get a lot of commentary out there. So it's been it's been a really productive week. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, everyone's you know got to know by this point about the, the new 43x, the 45, and the 48. All three you know fairly new. Well, 45 was released what like a month or so ago, uh, two months. Yeah, last year, end of last year. Yeah, yeah, and then you got the 43x and 48, very, very, very new. What what are you hearing from? Like, what's the pulse of the show? Like people that are stopping by the booth, talking to you. Like, what what are you hearing? Um. Really, that they, I mean, that they like it. You know, they, they say that the, the new frame, it fits their hand very well. It's very comfortable. The, you know, the concealability of it's going to be awesome because it's, you know, it's a slim line. Um, yeah. We haven't, from what I've heard, I haven't heard anything negative. I haven't heard anyone say that, you know, it's not for them or not going to be for them. Everything's just been really positive. Everyone's excited about it. Um, when we were at Media Day and we actually got, or people were actually able to shoot the gun, mm-hmm. they were, were telling us how well the gun shoots, how surprisingly well it shot. So, you know, moving forward, I think the, I think the gun's going to be very successful and people are, and people are going to really enjoy having it. Yeah. yeah. We published a video online uh, on YouTube. Maybe we'll put the link here in this, uh, the show notes for this episode. Absolutely. We got our hands on the gun and uh, we were able to shoot it at Industry Day. Um, you know, my, my sense was it, it fits in the hand really well. Like what yeah. you said, you pick it up. It's one of those almost like, okay, it's Glock, so I think I know what to expect. Uh, I pick it up, I shoot it and I think, oh. That's even better than I expected. Right, right. It's that kind of a reaction, and I think that you could take the the most anti Glock person out there and challenge them to shoot this gun and tell them, tell tell us it does it's not good. Yeah, you know they would have a hard time doing that. Uh, it fit, it just it fits the hand. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. how else to say that. Um, the forty eight, I was especially and I, and I don't even know I could put my finger on it. I was especially impressed with the forty eight. Just felt really solid. Uh, shoots really flat. Yep. Uh, really really solid gun. Absolutely. You know, folks that are familiar with the Glock 43, uh, if that's a if that's a your choice of concealed carry right now, you might want to take a look at either one of these guns, 43x or 48. I mean, a little bit longer grip, yes. Right. Is that going to be a little bit more challenging to conceal for some people? Yeah, perhaps. But you know, a good choice of holster, good choice of carry method. Uh, both of these are still going to be very manageable, I think, from from a concealment perspective. The thing is, that's you know, if, if you're familiar with the Glock 43 and you know how that shoots, these feel totally different in the hand, you know, right? Because right? they, they're really going to feel the hand. Uh, no need for, you know, some, you know, mag extension, some extended base plate or, right, or whatever. Right. And, and that's a popular, you look on Instagram, well, just it. you know, yeah. and you see all these these mag extensions on, on these 43s. Right, right. If Th- this is that. just giving people what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, here, here's another thought on those lines. I, you know, I was, when I'm reading the press release, when this is, comes out, I think, oh, it's, it's so many millimeters, you know, thicker in the grip. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a lot. You know, but We're but talking to millimeters, your, right, right. But <laughs> but to to Riley's point, you pick it up. It's like this. This doesn't feel like a Glock forty three, right? Um, it's yeah. just uh, I don't know. It I don't know how such a little difference can make such a big difference in the hand. Yeah, it, but yeah. And you know, when the when I whenever I would shoot the forty three, it's a really snappy gun, and that's what I that's what a lot of people would always tell me that the forty three is really snappy to shoot. And you know, with the forty three X and the bigger frame or the longer frame, allows you to get that pinky on the bottom side, helps you you know mitigate recoil and. Just shooting the gun out at media day, people were just like, "Wow, this 
this gun feels a lot different than my 43. You know, this is actually enjoyable for me to shoot, and uh, it's just been a lot of good, a lot of good feedback. So yeah. we're yeah. excited. And there'll be some people who may say, well, why would we buy a 43 anymore? But there's still a market for the 43. It's still got the shorter grip. It's still, oh, you know, course. arguably more concealable. Uh, but I think that, you know, if you're listening to this, you're like, I'm a 43 guy or gal, or I'm thinking about getting the 43, I'd say, well, slow down. you got a couple more choices that you probably need to weigh into this decision. Right. Yeah. Yep. Now with these new guns, uh, of course, these... Well, whether it's the 43 or 43X or 48, these all basically are, are the same internally, right? Kind of kind of like, do you guys call that a Gen 5 kind of trigger setup? Uh, I mean, because with the Gen 5s, it's kind of a similar design trigger, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, yeah. You can It would, it would be a Gen 5 tri- uh, setup. So, uh, but yeah, they're, they're all r- roughly similar. the same. Yeah. 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 Cool, cool. Uh, obviously, you don't compete with a uh, 48 or 43X. No. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would not make sense. <laughs> no. You don't have so, a division for that. And I think we talked to you a little bit last year about about your setup, but uh, are you still kind of running the same same setup? Same setup exact year? gear, same exact gun. Um, depends depending on what division I shoot. It's still going to be a thirty four, a thirty five, or a twenty four, right? Um, and still using the same guns. So, yep, they're my favorites and they work. So, no yeah. reason to no reason to change anything Not up. Today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what do you have coming up? Well, this is actually a really big year for us because we have the twenty twenty world shoot selection this year. So we'll shoot. Uh, the Ipsic Nationals and USPSA Nationals throughout this year, and those will be the last two qualifier matches for the selection team. So after our tour, at the end of this year, we'll know who made what respective team and what our position is in the team. Yep. So moving forward into next year for for World Shoot, that's a big deal for us. Yeah, now there's some uh, you know there's some growth there. Last year, I remember kind of we had this conversation and we talked about your goals. And it was like you know what. I just came out of an awesome year, but this year I'm really focused on the, you know the team aspect. So talk to us a little bit about 2018. You know, with the team, how did that go? What did that look like? The team did awesome. I, actually, it's our best best year that we've ever had that I've that I can recall. Um, Ashley and I both won Still Challenge Nationals. We both won Epsic Nationals, which was the first qualifier match for the team process or the selection process. Um, Ashley won three all three USPSA Nationals. Uh, we won every area match this year. Michelle won, I think, five or six area matches. So it's just been it's been an awesome year, and we were able to work together. We were able to train together. We were able, we traveled everywhere together. You know, we we're always in discussion on um, on how we can be a better team, how we can train better, how we can compete better, and just it was awesome. We had we had a phenomenal year. Like we literally won almost everything. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge, and continuing on. You know, like you said, it's just like hey, let's let's keep that momentum. Let's make sure that we're ready for the twenty twenty, uh, you know, season, and, and and we get qualified. That's that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um. So I know I'm getting folks. You you, you don't realize. Obviously, you can't see us. So I'm all messing around over here, taking photos and stuff. <laughs> you know, doing the social thing. So uh, I got a little bit distracted. So. Awesome stuff coming from you guys this last year. You got a, a great year ahead of you. Uh, speaking of World Shoot, probably some listeners of the podcast don't quite understand what, what the World Shoot's all about. So, I mean, what I know, I mean, once every three years, right? It's kind of like a ro- rotating thing now. I mean, like you have you have the pistol World Shoot, you got the rifle, shotgun you know, World Shoot, and, and the shotgun. And the shotgun was last year, right? This year's pistol, or, uh, ne- or excuse me, twenty twenty's pistol, right? You're, yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's exciting, man. You know, so like when you have the opportunity to get on a team like, once every three years, I mean, this is like the Olympics. It is for your shooting sports because they don't do this kind of shooting at the actual Olympics, right. unfortunately. So obviously, you're going to be working really hard this year, training hard. We talked a little bit, you know, quite actually quite a bit with you the last time you were on the show about your training regimen, and uh, it's really fascinating to kind of hear how you approach it. Uh, it's also really fascinating to me that I mean, you work for Glock. You go into the office every day. You sit. I, I imagine. I imagine this in my mind. Like you know, you're you're in your little. Are you in an office or a cube? Uh, we're we're all in, a, in an open office. Yeah, an open office. So you like sit down, you know, pound away at the keyboard, send yep. off some emails, do your thing, and then away you go off to the range. Yep, almost every day. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's, That's basically cool, how man. my routine works. Or depending on weather, I'll go into the, I'll go to the range first, and then come back into the office in the afternoon. Yeah, I might try to split it up fifty fifty. Yeah. I mean, dude, you're like living the dream. Like almost anybody in this industry would love to, you know, work for a few hours each day. I would like to do this, Jacob. Hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's just go right let me, through. Let me send a few emails and then I'll head to the range. Yeah, yeah. See you later. Uh, <laughs> I, need to go t- I need to go test some products. <laughs> right, yeah. right. No, but so looking at 2018, like are, are there – what areas? Because obviously 
every shooter's got to be working on something, right? So uh, looking back on 2018, what stood out to you personally that they're like, oh, I need to work on this a little bit more? Um, I think it's going to come back to my mental discipline. There were, uh, I think fundamentally shooting was, my shooting was better than it's ever been. Uh, there's movement stuff is always things I can still work on. I can still get fitter in the gym. I can get faster, uh, be more explosive. There's always that aspect that I can increase. But mental discipline was, uh, there was, there was moments, there was moments of greatness and then moments of chaos where mentally I just wasn't there. I wasn't focused or I had moments of lapse of lapse in judgment where I just made silly mistakes throughout the matches. Um, and at nationals, USPSA nationals, it cost me both matches and super frustrating, but you know, I know what happens, but you know, moving into this year, I really want to focus on my mental discipline, you know, being present in the moment every time I step up to a stage or show up at a match and not be worried about past or future, you know, future projects or future matches or anything else, but just being, being right here in the moment, focused on that, that shot that's going off right, you know, right now. Yeah. You know, this translates to obviously all, all sports, but also to defensive shooting too and that mental aspect. This is interesting because... You know, if, if, if someone asks you, Shane, hey, what percentage of the game is mental versus physical, what's the answer? Probably 80%. Right, but but most of us, we're not training 80% of our training on mental. Right. Right, so I would love to hear, like, what are some of the things you're doing or that you're you're seeing other people doing that, that works or that you're planning on implementing to train that mental game, to make that a, a bigger part of your overall training? One thing I do that I think has helped me, because last year was like the first year that I actually put some effort into it, and I... Obviously, looking back, I don't think I put enough into it. Um, <clears throat> but journaling, or I, I don't know if I should call it journaling, but uh, just logging all of my training. Uh, I started reading a lot of books um, that focused on, you know, uh, mental preparation, how to handle stress, how to handle pressure, uh, how to turn these things into positive, you know, positive mindsets. Um, and then the journaling or logging of all the training, every time I, was do- every time I would do this at night, I would just have a, a reflection of, you know, how, how, the, tra- how the training day went. You know, what did I suck at today? Was I there today? Was I thinking about something else today? And if I was, why? Why was I not focused on my training when you know, this is my day to go out and be better? Why am I focused on something else? What's going on in my life? And then I'll start you know, branching off into different aspects of my personal life and figuring out why is this affecting me in work? Why is this you know, affecting me here? Yeah. And just try to focus on those things and be able to compartmentalize these different, different aspects of my life so that when I show up to train or when I show up to work, you know, I, am, I am present and I'm there. Yeah, there's a lot of application in what you say, I think, to just about anybody in life uh, about all sorts of things. I mean, just that that opportunity to reflect (laughs) and to evaluate, you know, and and have kind of your own personal feedback loop as far as, you know, like you're not just pressing forward all the time and just doing, you know, just doing whatever every day, but but having that opportunity to come back and and see where you're at, what you're doing, where you're going, how you're doing it, you know, what's keeping you from accomplishing your goals. I think I think everybody can learn something from that. Yeah. And one thing I want to do is I want to challenge everything I do. I want to understand the whys. And I don't want to do something successful and then not know why it was successful or why it worked. I want to understand everything. And I think, I think being able to log, log all these, these, these mental thoughts or processes or mindsets allows me to understand the whys behind everything. So when something does, does work or doesn't work, now I understand why it, why it worked or why it didn't. And I can figure out a plan of action to correct it or make it better. Yeah. And, and pat, uh, patterns start to emerge. Right. Right, you say, oh, interesting. You know, now that I'm paying attention to this, I'm noticing that this correlates with this. Right. right. This this particular failure or whatever it might be is correlating with this particular situation or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, and now it's addressable. Yep. Right? Because I'm measuring it, because I'm processing it, now I can address it. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, kind of, you know, one of Jacob's favorite favorite books is start start with why. Start with why. Yeah. Simon Sinek. <laughs> kind of reminded me of that a little yep. bit. So. Good stuff. All right. So, how about skill wise? Like, uh, I mean, you talk about explosiveness, right? So, and that's important in your sport. You know, you, you you are not just having to shoot quickly and accurately, but you have to change positions. You have to transition. Right. You need to move quickly. Uh, so, physical conditioning obviously got to play a role in your life. Yep. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a taste of what your physical workout, you know, is what what that regimen looks like? It goes back and forth. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I'm big into CrossFit. Uh, you know, I go through I go through different training cycles throughout the year and kind of uh, I listen to my body, see what my body's feeling, how how well am I moving in matches? Uh, well, if my body's aching, if it's hurting, or if I'm feeling really good, then I change up my programming based on based on these. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, the last probably four or five months, I've been really into weightlifting to get just really strong and gained weight with it. And now I can you know readdress my programming, go back to some more cardio, so I can cut I can cut some of the weight and still have the strength. 
mm-hmm. and that'll increase my explosiveness because in reality, in our, in our sport, man, most everybody can do what I can do with a gun. I'm not like some elite, awesome shooter that just does things that's unheard of. Like we're all, we're all good shooters, all the, the, the fundamentals and stuff everybody else can do. So I have to find literally everything I can to, to be better. And the explosiveness, the movement, being able to, you know, explode out of a clean and jerk, or that, that, that translates to me exploding out of position. Every time I lift a heavy squat, that's from a compressed position. I have to explode up out of the bottom of the squat. So when I'm in a position, I have to explode out of the position. So all these things, it, it, it's all just, it all, the training regimen itself always changes. Mm. Cool, cool. That's good stuff. Um, now, you, this is really interesting and really fascinating, you know, because most people are probably focused, and, and Jacob touched on this a little bit earlier, as far as very few people are actually working on their mental game as it relates to shooting. In fact, most, uh, most shooters probably even listen to this podcast or, they're just trying to figure out how to shoot good. Right. And you're already kind of to a level where you, sh- you shoot good, <laughs> right? Um, as you kind of look back over your life, you know, since you first started shooting and you got into the shooting sports, what would you see, say were some of your biggest hurdles uh, to at least overcoming some of the, the shooting skill aspects? Uh Mentally, really, was my biggest hurdle. Cause okay, biggest, we're going to come back to the mental thing. Huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's, that was always my biggest hurdle yeah. because I've, I've looked back over the years and I've had the skill to compete with your Max Michels and your Rob Lathams and mm-hmm. you know, Travis Tomasis and all these guys, but they always found a way to win. Mm-hmm. And I had an so interesting conversation that I had two years ago with Max Michel and Blake Guess. We, I'd shot with Max <clears throat> and I was on his heels the whole time. I took the lead from him there for a little bit, made a couple of mental mistakes. He took it back from me and it went to nationals. Yeah, I remember that. So we go to lunch, me, him, and Blake, and Max was sitting at another table. Blake and I were sitting together and I was kind of making fun of Max because Max never makes, doesn't really make a ton of mistakes. He doesn't do anything crazy in matches. He doesn't do anything that looks amazing. He just kind of just glides. He just takes a safe route. He adds reloads if he needs to so he can have extra shots. He doesn't do anything crazy. And I was talking to Blake, and I was like, this guy, he doesn't push himself. <clears throat> he doesn't ever challenge himself. He doesn't do anything to, to win, but he always wins. And, uh, and I was like, I, I don't agree with that. Like, I, I want to win every stage because I want to be the best. And he's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really cool mindset. But you know what Max is really good at? Winning. <laughs> and that was like the biggest slap in my face because I, I had this mindset of I want to win every stage. I want to take all these chances. I want to be great. And then he's like, yeah, that's awesome. But Max is really good at winning. <laughs> and I think back to all the times that Max has beaten me, and I'm yeah. like, "Wow, <clears throat> wow, man, you yeah. just you sucked the soul out of me." Yeah. And ever since then, you know, I, I totally changed how I thought, how I walked up to a match, and how I prepared for matches, and it was life changing. Like mm. all of a sudden, just everything flipped, and I started winning. Mm. It was now. I'm curious to po- mm. to poke at this just a little bit. It's interesting concept. Um, now. It, it, it kind of sounds like when, let's let's focus on winning the war as opposed to winning each little individual right. battle, right? Um, but at the same time, a little bit ago, you kind of mentioned that as far as mindset's concerned, you know, being in the moment, being being focused on that shot you're making right now, um, not worrying about what's coming or in the future or or stuff that's happened in the past, right? right. But at the same time, like being in the moment, like every stage, you approach every stage, you want to do well on that stage, right? So, so I, that to me feels like it's a little bit of a, di- of a dichotomous relationship as far yep. as like you're, you're going to do everything you can to do your best that you can on the stage, but at the same time, you've got to also keep this mindset of, well, if this stage doesn't go perfectly well or you know, maybe, I, maybe I hold a little bit back on the stage so I don't make this huge mistake. So the bigger picture is, is the match as opposed to the stage. Like, I right. mean, how do, you, how do we find the balance in that? Um, that's... There's, you know, that's it's tough because there are stages where I do hold back. There are stages where I give points away because I feel like it's something that I'm not comfortable with or something that I am not as good as someone else at. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to run step for step with you if I know you're going to be faster than me at this point. Now that's, that opens the door for me to make a mistake. So there are times where I am thinking long-term big picture of I'll shoot really safe on this stage. I'll throw you a couple of points that you have your day and then I'll wait for you to make a mistake somewhere else because there's going to come a moment where you can't keep up with me and you're going to try. Um, but Rob Latham told me probably 15 years ago that the most important shot you'll ever take in a match is the one you're currently taking. And even when I'm thinking big picture, I still have to focus on that, that, that shot right there in the moment. And when I walk into the stage, I've got a strategy of what I know I'm going to do. If it's not mid stage that I decide I'm going to slow down or I'm going to speed up walking up to the line, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know if I'm going to lose it or if I'm going to win it. 
If I'm, if I'm de determined to give you away points, then I'm going to stick to my plan throughout that entire stage. I will not deviate from it, and I will toss you points and stay in the moment for every shot so that I ensure I do not make a mistake. Yeah. So if I was to summarize, and you can correct me if I get it wrong, but, but to come up with a plan, a plan that suits you and your strengths, right. and stick to the plan. Yep. Cool. Yeah, and it's, it's about, um, it's, it's almost like a, a game of risk. Right, it's like well, risk reward, reward yeah, right? Yeah, I can if I I can go into this into this stage and I can go high high risk high reward, or I can take the safe bet. Yep. And and really, what you what you were learning from Max and what you know in that moment that changed everything for you, you said, you know, the safe bet is the right game yep. because you I lose too much the high high risk game. Yep. And you know, and that's that's who I was. I was the high risk guy. And when I pulled it off, it was like it was amazing. But when I didn't pull it off, man, it was chaos. <laughs> just the ship sinks to the bottom of the river, and it's awful. Not to mention how that affects your mental game we were just talking about. Oh, it's bad. Because right? that really screw with your it's head. It's bad. It's like, oh, I just bombed that. Yep. I suck. I'm no good. How am I going to recover? This is going to be now the next one. I got a really high yep. risk, high reward. It. Yep. And it's just a it's a cycle that just takes yep. you down to the bottom. Yeah, because you go from being um, like with Max, for example. You know, I go from being within five points of him or being ten points ahead to making this massive mistake and losing 70 points. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm not really within reach. So the next stage, I'm like, I can gain 70 points right here. <laughs> Let's lose another 70. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> So right, it right. just goes from bad to worse. And sure. all I had to do was take a safe bet. And yeah, maybe I give him 10 points. So now we're tied. But I would much rather be tied going into a stage and having pressure on him than me being, you know, 70 points behind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. I'm going to make this transition just real quick. Yep. Maybe we'll finish up on this, but... An interesting kind of dichotomy, too, for me, is, is the brand of Glock mm -hmm. and Glock having competitive. I just don't think that the majority of people, they think Glock and they think precision, competitive gun. <laughs> uh, and when we think of the competitive, shoot, the competitive shooting sports, uh, we, we tend to kind of focus in so much on the tool because it's cooler. Right. But Shane, you're cool. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but it's more fun to talk about cool gizmos and awesome sauce triggers and gadgets know, gadgets and this and that. And so I, I know we, I think we talked about this last year, but I would love to just kind of hear your thoughts about, uh, first and foremost, how big of a deal is the gun really in, in um, the competitive sport? And then from there, okay, that being said, Glock still works for me because. Well, I think the gun does make a difference for sure, but I also think uh, – that people overemphasize over the importance of the gun. You know, they think if I go buy this aftermarket trigger, I'm going to increase by 10% mm -hmm. instead of going to the range and practicing with the trigger you have. Um, <clears throat> but I also think us competing with the Glock against your STIs and all these other high-end race guns just shows the complete diversity of our gun and how much our gun can actually do. You know, usually people think, oh, it's just a defense gun. It's my concealed carry gun. It's not going to really do good in the competitive world. Well, I beg to differ. It's not so much the gun. It's me. And this me being able to push that gun so far to, to that limit just shows how diverse that gun is and how, how capable it is to, you know, run with the race guns. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like the 80-20 rule, but it's more like the 99-1 rule. It's right. like, does this gun matter? Sure, it's that 1%. But the 99% is yeah. me. Right. And yeah. that's true in the defensive world as well. We see that all the time where someone's Agreed. like, I'm willing to go drop $400 on this trigger, but that, that three-day defensive handgun class, that's, that's $200. I, know, I don't man. know, man. That like, takes just, a lot of time. It's expensive. That's, that's hard. But, uh, yeah. That's a cheap three-day class, by the way. I, that is. I want to know where that class is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> probably, probably not a class we're taking. Uh, you know, maybe, it's, maybe it's a $500 class. Yeah. Do you know uh, Pat Kelly, by chance? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we actually just had him on the podcast yesterday, and he was telling me something really interesting that a while back he shot a steel challenge match. With, I kid you not, with a Caltech PF9. No kidding. Double action only, the whole way. And, you know, he was, he was talking about how... Did fall off? <laughs> he did say by the end of the second day it was getting pretty tired. But, you know, to your point, you know, I just was thinking about that, you know. I mean, like, that is not a gun that you think and go, yeah, I'm going to go shoot Steel Challenge. Right. A double action only, you know, a gun that's not even anywhere closely designed for competition use. Uh, but, yeah, he was getting the job done. And it comes back to, you know, he's, spent, he's put the time in developing the skills. Right. Has, has a solid base of fundamentals. And uh, the, the, the tool is, is less of, of a concern than making yeah. sure that our minds, our bodies, our skill sets are sharp. Well, yeah. when, we, when we launched the 19X last year, when I finally got my hands on it, um, I took it out to the range with my competition gun just to do some training on it. <clears throat> and 
within 45 minutes of getting used to that gun, I was matching all of my times and all my previous drills with my competition gun. This, and this is a stock gun? A bone stock 19X. Yeah. 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 Which, by the way, is a sweet gun. I uh, love that gun. We had a student come through one of our courses uh, with one and uh, I put a few rounds to it. Yeah. Feels great. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, October. Yeah. Trigger, yeah. The trigger is pretty, you know, that's the thing. The factory trigger, especially on these kind of Gen 5 Glocks, is really not bad it at is. all. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. So, cool. it was, I, I thought that was really interesting, you know. And there are aspects of a gun that do make a difference. It's like taking a, you know, it's like taking sure. a Honda Civic to a drag strip. Yeah, yeah. You know, there there are certain things that will make a difference in certain, you know, certain moments of a match. But for the most part, a bone stock 19x man, I'm matching all my times and points with my with my competition rig. Yep, yep. Very cool. Yeah, good stuff, man. Well, I'm afraid we've taken probably all the time we should take from you. You're a busy, important man. you got to get back to, oh. you know, sending off those emails and stuff. Oh, I know. i got, well, I I got my desk in the back. There's, there's, <laughs> a lot, there's a line here for autographs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it looks like it's starting to get busy. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Nice. They're not here for our autographs, are they? No. Oh, <laughs> They're not, it's not for you and me, <laughs> Cool. Well, Shane, thanks for taking a few minutes and uh, talking with us here today. And we wish you the best of luck and greatest success to you in 2019. Thanks, man. I had a good time. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. Hey, folks. Uh, we're here again at the Glock booth at SHOT Show 2019. We're super stoked. Uh, Glock, such awesome partners uh, for us uh, with the podcast here. Second year in a row. And so we're sitting here with Corey Jones from Glock. And he is, I, I can't remember, man. I forgot already. It's so long. National I told something, you. something, Assistant something. National sales manager. It's like it sounds really janitor, important. Closet manager, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting here, of course, still with Jacob. Still with Jacob. He somehow, I don't know. I can't get rid of him. So, uh, Corey, how long have you been with Glock, man? Uh, actually, this will be year 16 in October, so I've been there a while. That's a bit. Long while. So, if there's somebody here going to be familiar with uh, your guys' lineup, it's you. I'm going to know just enough to be dangerous, most likely, <laughs> but just enough to get the point across. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. I know a good bit about it. I actually started back in the back building them, put them together. Oh, yeah. Stuff nice. like that. Yep. Excellent. Now, Corey, I got a question for you I want to start off with. And this is one that you guys probably get bombarded with, but I think we got to get it out of the way so people who are listening can just, you know, rest easy. Uh, you guys get a oh, – there's so much kind of eyeballs and attention on Glock because you guys are industry leaders. And people want to know about uh, the namings. You know, we oh, we got the Glock 48, and people might be saying, well, where's the 44 or the 46 or the 47 and, you know, all that kind of drama. So for people who are trying to figure out, you know, the numbering system, any, any clarity, any, any light shed? I mean, overall, most probably know some of the history there with the, the G17, 19 was the patent number, stuff of that nature, and it kind of just kind of fell on with that. Um, yeah, yep. we have skipped around a little bit. There are different projects to get worked on, so they take a model number. Uh, maybe it's something they're doing over in, in Austria or for a European tender contract, what have you. So a lot of times we may skip over. We try to stay in line, yep. uh, but sometimes we will we will go off the reservation a little bit, as you've seen with the 19X, uh, 43X, um, and, and that's mainly for <clears throat> what that product is. Um, but, yeah, we have, we have jumped around a little bit here and there for different yeah. things going on. So 44, yeah, there's a 44 in the works, you know, stuff that, that's being worked on. Ah. Uh, there's a 46 in the works. People probably heard about that um, over over in Europe. Um, 47, haven't heard anything on yet. I'm sure there's something somewhere, though, that's a 47. <laughs> I can tell you it's not a rifle. Okay, I can't tell you that. Uh, so let's not get any rumors started today. The 47 is not a rifle. Okay? Ah, so okay. I'll, I'll, go ahead and, I'll go ahead and nip that in the bud right now. Uh, is this a little reverse psychology? Is that what that is? What's that? The rifle? I, I really would just like to get the, the rumor <laughs> we, started. That'd be great. Well, I can, I, can, I can tell you this. It'll be at SHOT Show. Okay? It will be the at four, SHOT the Show. The 47 will be at The rifle will be at SHOT oh, Show. the rifle? I just don't know what year. Right, right. It, it, but it, it, will, will, be, it will be there. That's right. Okay, There's okay. no doubt. All right, so a little <laughs> bit ago. one day at SHOT Show, it'll be a rifle. A little bit ago, I was teasing Brandy and asking her all kinds of hard questions, and I said, you guys should make a rifle. Mm-hmm. You're saying that this, this day will come? This day will come. The day will come. The day Dude, will come. That's the rumor right there, folks. One day will come. It might be your children's children. I couldn't tell you when. I don't yeah. know if I'll still be there. You know, have no idea. But the but day will the, come. The day is going to come. <laughs> now, cool. we are, we, you know, our R&D folks over in Austria sure. and in the U.S. are constantly working on things, yeah. trying to figure out what's next. Yep. Um, the sales guy, myself, and national sales manager and our VPs, you know, we get together. Every few quarters, every year, and go over what's our 
what's our plan of attack, what do we yep. want to bring out next, you know, then the guys over there in R&D tell us what we can bring out next based on what they can make, what they have tools for, yep. stuff of that nature. So we're constantly trying to work on different things, um, trying to bring out stuff that, <clears throat> that people want, yep. um, that people are asking for. We may not get everything they want. You know, there's always that one, if you build this, I'll buy one. Mm-hmm. Tooling costs a little bit more than buying one. Uh, so we try to look at things from us, uh, what's the mass production, what are we going to hit the most with, bang for the buck type deal. 17-length <laughs> slide, 19-length grip. Uh, you never never <laughs> say never. He's heard that before. <laughs> never say never, never say always. Yeah. It's a uh, thing with me. <laughs> I, I would be... In, well, we're at Shasha. Show. You'd so buy one, right? It wouldn't be in my holster right now, but that would be in my holster right now. Understood. Understood. <laughs> I've come so close to cutting a 17 down multiple times. Yeah. Understood. I actually built a ghost gun. Mm-hmm. That's a long slide, short grip. Anyway, it's fun. All right, cool. So um, so let's see. We got, we got some I, new oh, guns. One, th- one thing, one thing real quick. Yep. One thing that people may not realize, you were talking about European market guns, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Obviously, you have to recognize, and everybody pretty much knows that Glock is an Austrian company. It's been that way since the beginning. And there are guns that are only available in Europe. What is it? Is it the 31, 32, 33? Is that the 357s? That's 357. Oh, wait, hold on. Which was the 380? Uh, that 25? is the 25 and 28. 25, 25 and 28. And yep. Yeah, I'm go. trying to fill in the blanks here because I, I forget. Yep. Um, but there's so few. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> yeah. so here's the yeah. thing. Like, before, long time before the. 42 even existed. Glock was making 380s. People Absolutely. just didn't know about that yep. because those were European guns. Correct. Well, yeah. it's a different market. Obviously, the European market is driven by law enforcement, military. There's plenty of that here also, but here it's, we also have the consumer market. There's a very, very small commercial market over there. Very, they make it very hard to buy a pistol, very easy to buy a shotgun, yeah. very hard to buy a pistol. Um, so, yeah, the, the 25 and 28 have been around since... Glock was around, yeah, for the most part, but they've never been imported because of the points. Yep. So to get them in, they had, had to meet certain points, um, and th- th- I guess with the round, it gives it right off the bat, it, it, it knocks the points down. So we never brought them over. Yeah. In the same hand, I guess most of the folks here that are shooting through eighties want to. It's a small gun, right? I mean, everybody's idea yep. is concealed carry, yep. up close, personal type deal, and those are the same size as a nineteen or a twenty six. So at that point. As most 380 guys will tell you, if it's the same size, I'll just buy a 9mm. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. that's yeah. kind of what went into it, too. Now, we've had <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of agencies. It's always been agency only. So if an agency wanted a duty 380 for, for whatever reason, um, they could buy them and that kind of thing. Uh, sure. but it probably wouldn't be too hard for you guys to make those in the U.S. No, it wouldn't. Um, I mean... Same it's gun, a, it's a twenty-six a and a nineteen. It's right? got some you know, barrels, obviously internal parts yep. and stuff. But yep. it wouldn't probably yep. wouldn't be that hard. Yeah. Um, but as you, as most of your listeners are probably seeing too, that three eighty market is you know kind of yeah yeah at its has been at its peak and now is on its on its yep. down downturn. Yep. Uh, as we see so many more smaller guns coming out, forty threes and all these others, three sixty five, all these other stuff coming out that are single stack nines. Everything's about the nine. Yep. You've got federal contracts; they're all going to nine millimeter. Yep. Uh, so it's everything's Absolutely. about nine millimeter right now. Yep. All right. So let's bury that. I just I just thought it was interesting. You know, sure. th- people may not know, even know about that sort of thing that it exists. So anyway, all right. So new products, forty three X, forty eight. We talked with Shane just a little bit ago about those two. The G forty five was just released not too long ago. What December uh, last year? December? Last uh, September October? Oh, oh maybe. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. So um, we actually introduced that one at IACP, which I believe was in October. Yeah. And started shipping those later on that month. Yep. In SCW time frame. Yeah. Awesome. So, so give us the story behind the, the that gun. You know, what why did Glock decide this was something to invest in and what's the response look like? What's what's the story? I mean, overall, you know, obviously it's uh very similar. It's a nineteen X for the most part in black, but a lot of differences. The MHS contract had the nineteen X, the forty five come out because a lot of departments love the nineteen X. Mm. They can't carry brown. So yeah. a lot of that came from that. We needed a, a, a black gun in that, in that frame or in that design, in that configuration. So that's what brought a lot of that out. Added front serrations to it um, just to make it a little bit different. Yep. Um, but that's kind of where that evolved from. Sure. It was the LE market saying, hey, we love the 19X. We want to carry it, but we got to have it in black. We can't have it in brown. Yeah. Yeah, you know, now it wouldn't be that hard necessarily to make a black model, right, 19X. 
but there's there's a couple of differences there. I mean, for instance, the uh, magazine's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you you uh, you don't have a lanyard loop on the the biggest difference right? on a, a 19x in the frames. There is going to be the front edge of the 19x, which drops down, so you can only use Gen 4 mags in it. Exactly right. Uh, the Gen 5's got a flared mag well. It's a Gen 5 frame. Yep. Um, so that's going to be your your biggest things there, and also the dual uh, slide stop levers. Right. You got that on there too. That's not on the 19x. And what, are, what are a lot of folks got to remember when the 19X came out, the reason why it was brought out was this is what we gave to the military. You try it, you see for yourself kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very specific to that. So when we brought those over, it was never, never going to be brought over in fixed sites, all the different site configurations. This is the military gun we submitted. Here it is. So now with the 45, like I said, departments wanted to buy that gun, but they needed it in, in yeah. black. I'm just kind of a little curious. Why are departments thinking that they need a Glock 45 as opposed to, I mean, just kind of sticking with some of the same tried and true stuff, you know, like a Gen 4 Like 17? a 17? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, mean um, I, think it's, I think it's newness. I think they, uh, you know, with the 19X, why it was made, and then similarly with a, with a 45, just going after that same concept, is where they put that gun, right? With the shorter, with the shorter slide, they're able to put put that in the center of the chest, right? Okay. To carry yep. it. Yep. yep. Um, that was the biggest part of it. So, and obviously, Ellie guys, military, they're they're kind of the same kind of group networking, t- thinking family type, right? So that we made it the same the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, so overall, it's all easy in a sense, right? A little tool in here, a little tool in there. Um, but a seventeen, they just I think they like it. It's new and. You know, a lot of guys now in LE uh, are a, a lot younger, so you got to have that newness. It's not all about just you know an old tack driver, Gen three seventeen, which was the tack driver for years, twenty two mm-hmm. and forty cal. And then as the generations come over, it's still seventeen twenty two. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. I think there's a lot of guys out there they just want new. Yeah, they're just looking for something newest and best. Um, what's been proven? Obviously, Glocks. You pull the trigger, they go bang. They're the simplest, right? No button to push to turn it on, turn it off. <laughs> you know, you cycle it on, it's always on. Um, yep. So I think that's the biggest part. They just want something new and different. And when that come out, the 19X did extremely well. But I can tell you, when you shoot that gun, I don't know if either of you shot either one of those, it shoots yes. awesome. Yeah. So I think that's the other part of it. Uh, 17's always shot great, never issue with them. But a lot of guys just like these a lot better. Plus, you don't have the finger grooves, right? Yeah. So when this came out, had the sure. 17 Gen 5 uh, that came out. But I think this one just kind of, people just liked it better. They shoot it sure. better. And it does shoot really well. We've mm-hmm. we've put our hands on that gun a couple of times. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's interesting. You know, you you mentioned people just want something new sometimes. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But you guys are also an innovative company. You talked, you know, we just talked about Gen threes, Gen fours, Gen fives. Uh, there'll be a Gen six one day at Shot Show, I'm sure. Possibly. Yeah. Anything's possible. And, right, <laughs> one, one, there'll be a Shot Show when there's a Gen six. How, how can you improve upon perfection? You know, that's. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, and we always it. we always try. You know, sure. like I said, we're, for years we did the gen, you know, gen ones and twos, and then you had two and a halfs, not officially, but you had two and a halfs. Then you have threes and the finger grooves, and you got half the market that loves the finger grooves, half the markets that don't fit. Um, so now you come back to this, which is really kind of going back to a play on the gen ones, right? But with a different texture, obviously, and a different thing. So we're kind of doing that same thing. The gen one was a tack driver. All of them have been tack drivers. Yeah. Uh, you take the finger grooves off, now you're back to that. Yeah. Kinda almost the original. And, and you know, I love the way a gen one feels. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's other things that Gen 1 was missing. I mean, even sure, a rail, sure. for instance, yep. being the obvious one. So right. it just, Corey, yeah. I got I gotta. we're going to go crazy Jacob tangent style. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. He, he, he does this. I'm not sure if I signed up for this or not. Yeah. No, this, this is gonna be good. <laughs> I was told this was going to be softballs. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I want to know. Let's, let's imagine that, um, you know, we, we, take, we, we put you in an undercover shirt that doesn't say Glock on it. Mm-hmm. And we take you over to some of these other booths around here. There's a lot of good guns, you know, uh, out here. I'm not trying to pick on any other manufacturers, but when you pick up a gun mm-hmm. and you you cycle the slide and you press that trigger and, and you're trying to say, hey, is this a you know is this a good gun? Do I like this gun? What are the things you're looking for? Like what what do you pay attention to when you're evaluating how good, you know, in quotes, a gun is sure. for for Corey? Um, for me, it's it's uh, first part of its weight, part of it's just just picking it up and. Does it fit? Ergonomics. Yeah. I mean, does it fit? Um, does it, I don't know, most of it's weight and fit. Um, and then also you got trigger, obviously. You know, you don't want one that's spongy. You don't want one that's, you know, five miles, 
you know, 100 Take pounds and all that kind of stuff. So that for me is what it is. Um, Let's talk more about weight. I'm curious to hear more about weight. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say weight, you mean how heavy it is, about the distribution of the weight to elaborate a little? All, all that a little bit, yeah, because I think a lot of times you pull up like a 19X, for instance, you pick it up, and a lot of people have said this, they pick that gun up, or not 19, a G45 or an X, it just feels different. So a 17, you hold them comparably next to each other, that 19 just is like it's balanced a little bit better, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's about balance. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. about distribution. It's just about when you pick it up, does it feel like a boat anchor when you pick it up? So when you – you know, you need to do wrist wrist workouts to be able to hold it up, that kind of thing. So, and there's a lot of guns out there that are good guns, um, but they're they're just heavy, right? And I just if I'm going to carry something like that, if I'm going to carry a pistol every day, you don't want a lot of weight, especially loaded. You don't you know you don't want something heavy bringing your you know bringing your pants halfway down when you're trying to carry the thing, or if it's on your ankle, you know, walking around like you're trying to build your calves up because you, yeah. you want ten sure. pounds on you. Sure. So that's kind of what I look at. And um, then obviously going to the range and shoot it. Can I shoot it? And a lot of it, if it doesn't fit right in your hand, you're not going to shoot it well. That's just the bottom line. You know, a lot of folks come here, NRA always shows, it's the same question. They say, hey, I'm looking for a gun. The first question, what do you want it for? That kind of deal. And then, okay, now go to the range. I can give you five models that I think will be perfect for you. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to go pick one up and, and pull the trigger on it a few times before you actually feel like if it's, if it's the gun for you. So let's talk about that. When you press that trigger, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're testing the gun for you. What are you, what are you paying attention to? Um, you know, the, the smoothness of it. And is there any kind of gritty feel to it? Is it is it kind of spongy? And then you also got the reset side of it too. I mean, you don't want to have to let it all the you know where's the reset at. Um, I don't do a lot of competitions type shooting. I shoot very rarely, just on my own. I'll go to and do do some stuff with Glock and shoot. So to me, it's just and I'm comparing it to that, right? Um, you know, before I was it wasn't in the gun business 15 years ago. So I'm kind of a guy that came in as a as just a sales guy, right? So I wasn't a, a gun nut you know, gun enthusiasts or anything like that. So when I kind of pick one up, I know these work. And a lot of these others, they're great guns, as you said, and a lot of those work too. Um, but then a lot of these new ones that come out, they just don't feel the same. The weight's different. Mm-hmm. They're not as light. And you can you can tell that. As soon as you pick it up in your hand, you can tell. Like I said, even with the a 17 versus a 19X or a, a 45, it does feel a little bit different. The balance is yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. yeah I appreciate it. I, I'm glad I asked the question because I think, you know, sometimes – uh, even here at Shasha, that's a great example. You know, we're we're here in the Glock booth, and there's about a gazillion people here sitting there <laughs> next to us, all picking up a bunch of Glock guns mm-hmm. and putting them in the hand. And I often I look at people and I think, well, what are, when they pick that up, what are they looking? Are they thinking, you know, the same things I'm thinking as far as you know, how do I know if this gun's a good gun for me? And I think a lot of people don't know what to look for. What, they, think, they're lost. I think a lot of it is too, is you have a. Even here at SHOT Show, you've got the folks, uh, many women, men of the same thought that they don't shoot a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So when they're going to these different booths, usually the first thing we, we hear is they pick up and say, wow, that's so light. Like they're, You're looking at a piece of metal on some polymer, right? So you're thinking metal, you're thinking it's going to be super heavy, that kind of thing. And then when they pick them up, they're like, man, I can't believe how light that is. Um, and I would imagine they're doing the same thing in other booths, but hopefully they're saying, damn, that's heavy. <laughs> right? So, so I think that's a lot of it, men and women. I mean, uh, men and women, first-time shooters, and you got all the gamut there. Some that have shot a little bit, but not much. Grew up around guns, but aren't gun enthusiasts. Yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of it now with the concealed carry market and women, and that's been the fastest growing market uh, mm-hmm. for the gun industry, being uh, women and first time shooters, and then concealed carry. So that I think is a huge part of it. And like I, like I said, when we come here, a lot of times the first thing I do is I can't believe how light the gun is. They're expecting it to be a lot heavier. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, I mean, next time you get a, a gun store or something like that where you have a lot of guns in front of you, or maybe you just need to go open the safe, you know, you pick up all those guns and get a sense for you know which ones are heavier, what the weight distribution, and you start to actually pay attention to that, mm-hmm. and you say, oh my gosh, I never thought about it before, I never realized before. Uh, I think you're going to start to notice some patterns on how that actually affects the way the gun shoots. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Can we talk a little bit about the triggers? Uh, Gen 4, Gen 5, okay? Mm-hmm. A little bit of a design change there. A little bit of a design change, yep. you, I mean, what? can you maybe walk us through maybe some of I can give you a little bit of it. There and kind um, of I can give you a little walk. bit of it. When we brought the 43 out, mm-hmm. the, the Gen 5 trigger is going to be more similar to a 43 trigger. Right. And that actually gave us a little bit smoother trigger. And mm-hmm. then also you've got on a Gen 4 or 3 trigger bar or trigger assembly, you got the S, the mm-hmm. S spring, right? And what would yep. always happen if you turn the S-spring around, the thing would break yep. or something would happen, the gun doesn't work now. Yep. Yep. So I think a lot of it was just improving a gr- the safe action system, just improving a great design yep. and just making it tighter. Um, also, you know, looking at the 43 has a great trigger on it. 
Um, and all this Gen 5 stuff, if, if most people have said it has a better feeling trigger oh, yeah. than some of, the other, some of the yeah, others. Absolutely. So I think that making that tighter. Yep. Uh, don't know all the, phys- the physics behind all of it, but mm-hmm. I can tell you what we saw with the 43 and how much better that trigger system was. It's just an improvement on a great design. You yeah, know, Mr. Glock's built his platform off of. Well, yeah. all, all armorers everywhere, thank you. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I mean, it, it, the more you can take out the human aspect and, you know, negate the potential mistakes, you know, of putting sure. a spring on backwards, whatever it might be, uh, that goes a long way. Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, obviously to, to whoever said it here, you know, it, it feels better. It's a smoother mm-hmm. trigger. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, so i just kind of just curious. I mean, I didn't know if that was. Let's see. Did that did that kind of come as necessity as far as like the the Glock forty three? You know, it was a little bit smaller I gun. Think, so I think so. I don't. Again, I don't have all the details and yeah. figures on that. But I think with the tighter tolerances you have to have for a forty two and a forty three, mm-hmm. as far as the space you have to work in, um, some design changes had to be made to make it more compact and fit in a smaller yeah. area. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think it worked out really well for you. I mean, because yeah. as was mentioned, I noticed distinctly when the First Gen 5s were released, and we went to the booth, and it was like, oh, yeah. like I mean, just great. I think there's probably some shooters that aren't as discerning on some of those things, and sure. they probably don't even notice it. But immediately, I was like, oh, it's so much smoother. A little bit lighter, perhaps, right? Or at least it's perception. Close. It, 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 yeah. Your the perception pers- is that it's The perception lighter. is that, right. you know, it just right. feels like a lot smoother, nicer trigger. So very, very, very good stuff. Um, let's see. I don't know. What are you hearing from as you are standing around, walking around, interacting with people? Uh, what, what's the talk that you're hearing? Well, biggest question, obviously, been at the show this year in new stuff, 48, 43X, two-tone, which we've never done before, right? So that's, that's big. Why did you do silver? Um, what, what, what made you want to do a two-tone gun? It's not what Glock does. And now the short answer is you're asking for more colors, more, more options. We gave, you, we gave some folks some more options. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, is, are, is there going to be a black one? Uh, we hope so. We, we hope there will be. I'm sure there will yeah. be at some point. Um, that's been the most the most questions we've gotten. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, we try to keep everything simple, so we bring out two new guns. And for the female side of the house, and even some even some men, uh, that 48 giving you basically a slim 19, right? It's basically the yep. concept there, yep. <clears throat> which gives you more frame to, to hold on to. So a lot of a lot of females and a lot of people that bought 43s or e- any small gun for that matter. Uh, they say they're a little harder to shoot. They're a little harder to control because you have less to hold on to, right? So this kind of answers that question for some of those people and that concern. And yeah. then you got some, like I said, the, the 48 shoots really flat, shoots really good. Uh, the 43X has a little bit more pop to it or muzzle flip to it, but it's a shorter, a shorter uh, slide. So I think we got two things to, to fit both sides. Yeah. Uh, those folks that may not have a 43 are probably going gonna to venture towards the 43X more. Uh, those that have a 43 are probably going to venture to the 48 more um, just to have that, that difference in frame size and still have a gun that's very concealable. Maybe not because it's silver as much, and you got to, mm. I guess some people call it a pimp gun. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but overall, it's still very concealable. It shoots great. Um, so that's been kind of the most is, you know, why did we do it? Well, just to have a new, a new offering. You know, we've been yeah. talking about that. I mean, the single stack, as I said before, slimline stuff, concealed carry stuff, that's where the market's at. And then we're hitting are trying to help out the female aspect of it too, where some of those guns are just too small. And a G19, which is our you know number one seller for years on the commercial side, is always right there at the top. And a lot of people go to a G19 because a 26 is just too too small. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 43 is in the middle, but still some people can't hold on to it. So now they have one. You're getting four more rounds, um, and you're going to get that single stack, yeah. single stack feel. Yeah. You know, we were just talking with Shane about the same thing, and and I, you know, observing that. If you look at Instagram, for instance, you look at all these photos, you just go look at hashtag Glock 43, right? right. And almost every one of those photos are going to have those mag, you know, those extended uh, base plates on the mags, mm-hmm. right? You know, so you just, you're just giving people what they want. Yep. Okay. Trying to do the best we can to do it. We can't hit 100% of people all the time. Yeah. Uh, but we try to, we try to listen uh, to what the market's telling us they want. You know, I don't think anybody gets it 100% right all the time ever. Uh, but we try to do our best with what we've got and try to bring out the best things we can for, yeah. for what people are saying. Ten rounds is good. That's a good. It's a good place to be. I think, I think so. you know. Yeah. It's a uh, not so few rounds that you go. Oh, I might run out of rounds. You know, if things get a little bit sketchy. But yep. you know, it's not so many that it makes the gun overly unnecessarily large either. There's, so, al- there's also good, a good, mul- good there's, midpoint. There's a multiple, and I think a lot of people don't think about this. They think, well, six versus ten. Great, I got more. Fo- I got four more rounds. Well, that's true. If you're carrying a spare mag, though, it's the difference between 
12 and 20. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, now, now we're talking about a difference of eight rounds. Right. So, anyway, I think that's another thing that we've got to remember. When we talk about those little differences, sometimes they're bigger than you think because you, you know, carry a spare mag, and now you're talking about significant, a significant sure. difference. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's Hopefully tough. it's never that bad. Well, if, <laughs> yeah, if we right. need 21 rounds, I'm probably in the wrong part of town. Yeah, absolutely. But and if, you can't, if you can't hit it in the first three or four. It might be a, a worse dog fight than I want to be but in. You're, but you're right. I mean, obviously everybody, more. They, they, you always want more self-defense. Or you and your family, right? You only got six rounds, but you're with you and your family. Maybe more than six people. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. That ten's kind of a good, a good mediocre or middle ground. One other thing on the 48 too is it was uh, it's with the longer slide and barrel. It's actually approved for Canada. So that's another, yes, another aspect yeah. of that, which is not huge, but it's still yeah. more. You know, we like more gun sales, right? No yeah. matter where we can get them from. Well, um, so. and we like our brothers and sisters up in Canada. Absolutely, we want right. them to have Absolutely. cool stuff too. Yep. yep, it's hard enough as it is for them. That's right. Yeah. Now. Uh, I'd love to hear, uh, Corey, give us a sense. The 43X and the 48, are they primarily or fully being manufactured uh, here in the U.S.? No, those are all being done overseas. For now. For now. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, but the 43s, I think, uh, go both ways, right? 43s, we've had both of, yeah. Uh, for right now, from my understanding, is all the PVD stuff that we make, which that's the difference in the coating of a 43 and a 43X mm-hmm. and a 48, mm-hmm. um, is going to be done overseas. Okay. For um, the foreseeable future. You know, sure. and for that, the, the NPVD. It, the end result is the same for the most part as far as the reliability, the uh, cor- uh, corrosion, stuff like that. that yeah. It's going to keep it from rusting and everything else. The end result is the same. Yep. The difference in, let's say, the get the nitriding or the NDLC and the PVD is the color. The PVD allows us to, to make it into a color, yep. and we did that with the 19X. So that's kind of a difference there in the very basic terms um, as far as, but the end result is the same. Processes are different, a little bit different, and then the PVD allows to give it a color. Yeah. All right, my, my last question. I notice all the Glock employees here at the booth are wearing silver color shirts to match the guns. You're, are you trying to look way deep into something? You're getting. I'm just just <laughs> asking like, if that was a change. Yeah, he's going deep. It's like, hey, let's <laughs> let's match let's match the guns this year. You, you know, know? I, I'd have to defer to Brandy on that one. <laughs> why why we have silver shirts? I'm not quite sure, but a, a, a that good might guess, be a factor. A good guess might be that we have silver guns. But <laughs> I'm not in marketing. I'm in it's sales. A, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you know, honestly, uh, the the 43x 48, they're really it's a really good look, I think, and uh, the coating is obviously it's going to do a really great job, but I th- there's something about it. It just feels good. I know it's going to clean up real nice when you're done yeah. shooting for the day. You, you know, you're going to shoot. You're going to get a little bit of uh, resi- you know, powder, sure. residue, whatever, crap. You know, uh, you clean your Glocks? Yeah, I, like wipe <laughs> I, wipe, I wipe them off. I wipe them off. I've always heard they shoot better. <laughs> yeah. You give them a few months. Add, add a little lubricant. <laughs> no, but they're gonna, they're going to clean up really nice. You know, it's a it's a great finish. Uh, in, sure. Inside, outside. I mean, it, it really, really, and a good look. Um, speaking I, of cleaning, uh, I don't clean them enough. But you know, that's that's what's really cool. You know, put throw a little lube on those things, and absolutely. they will run and absolutely. run and run. And that's what I do a lot of times. I I don't actually clean. And I've said this before on the podcast. I am not the most religious cleaner of guns, but I lube regularly because lube trumps cleaning every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and with it being so simple, you don't have to, you know, detail it and clean it all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. A quick fill strip. It's so just yeah. easy, you know. Yep. yep 30 yep. seconds max probably to, to, to get it all yeah. done. But yep. once per year, I actually, I, once per year, I actually do tear down all my Glocks, all sure. my guns. Yep. Tear, tear it down to basically armor's level. Right. And, of course, on the Glock, it's really easy to do. Yep. Um, we're both certified armorers, so, you know, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's not like some of my guns, I go, oh, whoops, where did that spring go? <laughs> yeah, <there's laughs> or you end up with extra parts. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a few of those where it's like, i got to find that YouTube video again. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm stuck on this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one other thing, too, you know, mentioning the color before, is that uh, some folks are thinking it's a stainless slide, but it's not. It's right. actually the same metal. That we use for all of our guns. Uh, yep. The same raw materials are used. It's just a PVD, a right. silver, silver in yep. the coating. Yep. Awesome, yep. Corey. Thank you for spending some time with us today no and problem. talking about all this. You know, thanks and for, letting us you know throw some. Thanks weird for going out on the ledge with me and give me an opportunity <laughs> maybe to step all over myself. You know, hopefully it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the new 43 axe, the 48, and uh, and the 45. The 40, and the 45. Yeah. Um, I, I I was I was just really I, I'd say. Reassured, I, I you know I know I'm going to shoot a Glock and like the Glock, mm-hmm. but when I picked up that 48 especially, and I shot it, thought my goodness, I, w- I, I was just 
more positively surprised than I thought I would be. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, check those guns yep. out, guys. They're they're shipping. Uh, they're out yep. there. They're they the are wild. out there. We actually started shipping to distributors on the 17th of January. Dealers got them on the 22nd. So you've got a dealer near you, check it. You can actually go to our website, actually. There's a Buy It Now button there, so you can kind of see what dealers may have in an inventory. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go check that out. If you're still at the show, come by the booth, put one in your hand. For sure. And uh, for those, those that are skeptics, you know, put one in your hand and shoot it first. You know, don't make judgments on it, right? Yeah. Go out and shoot it, see how it is, and see how you like it. I'm sure everybody will. Yeah. Awesome. You know, and I'm with you because when we first saw, saw the release, uh, and I looked at the two guns, and I said, 43X, yeah, that's okay. 48 Ah, that one's got my eye, and 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 putting it in the hand and shooting it at the range—that's the real tell. Absolutely. It's a great gun. So good job, guys, and uh, thanks again for hosting us here at your booth. And we wish you the best for 2019. Appreciate and it, and also for the rest of the show. Sounds great, guys. Appreciate it all. Thanks, thanks Corey. Thank you, dude. So, uh, what did you think of those interviews? Pretty darn cool. Uh, excited, and uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you got those guys on the air. Yeah. So again, we we thank Glock for uh, having us and hosting us in their booth for you know, like an hour or two, actually probably like two hours, and doing all these interviews, talking with people. It was a great time. We enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully we can do that again next year at Shot Show. It'll be it'll be awesome. Uh, so folks, give Glock some love. We, again, they're they they are our honorary sponsor for today's episode. And uh, again, look for us at the Concealed Carry Expo. Find our live coverage on Facebook and on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, so with that, we are going to let you go. A reminder to take care, but also to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Boom. You nailed it, bro. <laughs> On the fly, I just, like, pointed at him, and he, he nailed it. <laughs> there you go, folks. Get out there, train, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws. But things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.